Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good evening and welcome to the History of Alchemy podcast. I'm Travis Dow. And I'm Pete Coleman from the Bohemian podcast. All right, so every once in a while we talk about Two alchemists are kind of a kind of a duo at, in one show, and um, you know, like Edward Kelly, John Dee, or or Tycho Brahe and Johannes Kepler. Now today we're going to do that, but really just because they vaguely lived in the same place in the same time. Okay. Other than that, not a whole lot connected. Yeah, the guys. only thing they have in common is that Pete has trouble pronouncing their names, which is going to be evident here shortly. In fact, <laughs> what are what are their names, Pete? Uh, Agath Damon. <laughs> I've been practicing I all think, day. Yeah, you know what? Uh, okay, I don't. I don't know either. I, I think we'll Zosimos go with of of Panopolis. Yeah, that one people might have heard of. Okay, I think we'll go with Agatha Damon. Agatha yeah. Damon and Zosimos of Panopolis. So proud right now. I've been working at this for hours. I know. I know. I was going to let you down. I heard you podcast. muttering at your desk. And I came people, back. People, people are like, I was, he's gone crazy. He's talking he's about demons. He's, he's speaking in tongues. But yes, those those are the two guys we're talking about today. Um, because uh, you're right that the threads that bind them together are very, very thin, other than the chronological aspect that they were alive at the same time. Yeah, and, and this is an important part of history. We just did an episode on Neoplatonism. Um, so, we're, you know, we're talking about 300, around 300 AD in Roman Egypt, okay? One's from uh, Alexandria, one's from southern Egypt, but but basically Alexandria was the center of alchemy at that time, in a, in a very different sense, possibly. So to start us off with Agathodamon, so we no longer have any direct works from Agathodamon. We just have kind of medieval fragments of his work, and he was described by, by medieval alchemists or by medieval thinkers, and it basically just describes elements and minerals, okay? But one, thing's, one thing that, that has come down to us is that he has a way to produce silver, which is all that's needed to qualify him for this podcast, and he also describes poisons. He calls it a fiery poison, possibly arsenic trioxide, possibly amphoteric oxide. That's right, Travis, that the poison uh, would be dissolved in the water. It would stay clear. And if you dunked some copper into it, it turned a deep green, which arsenic trioxide would would typically Mm do. Um, So his methods could be considered the basis of future poison experiments with the air quotes, if I can say that. Uh, But uh, they were often used for murder. Yeah. Right. Well, so, yeah. So something that would would be used uh, if you <laughs> if you remember arsenic and old lace, the old Broadway um, uh, deal. Uh, that's uh, that you slip that into someone's um, uh, beverage or into some food, and they would die shortly. Yeah. But it so, would be a very tough death. You would be, be oh, regurgitating and yeah, yeah, yeah not, and not vomiting. Fun. It would be a rough way to go. So, but, but that, uh, that was poison. Re- that was yeah. the reputation in the medieval days that he was kind of the. Father of poison or something. I mean, just had, he had a reputation. You well, know, I mean, was, let's was look through history for warranted. a minute. You know, yeah. during the time of uh, the Roman Empire, after the, the Republic was set up, and when it went to Roman Empire, the the emperors, most of them were were poisoned. 
if not stabbed in the back by their yeah. own guards. But but a lot of them were poisoned. That was kind of the method of, of, of operation for disposing of a despot or a, or he, a, he a was king. kind of in the right place at the right. So time I would for say that. yes. Yeah, I was like, true. wow, there's a new there's a new poison. Fantastic. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Right. So these are things to, to think about. Um, historical uh, texts that are related to him. Um, have a lot to do uh, with just mentioning his name, all right? You wouldn't even know that he existed if it wasn't for this. Right. Alchemy was in decline at this time, but Nestorian Christians fled to Persia around the year 400. This in one way led to some later knowledge that got to the Arabs uh, it, it just a little bit after the conquest of Alexandria and possibly directly contributed to the rise of alchemy in the Middle East. Now, that's that's a pretty big statement because we're talking about uh, alchemy uh, was was a really big part of this uh, in the Middle East. So they're saying that at this point, the Godfather mm-hmm. was yeah was was this guy. Well, I, yeah, I think this is fascinating because yeah, I, I never before reading about this, I never really read about the Nestorian Christian aspect of it. Like I, you know, obviously the conquest of Alexandria. I always assumed that you know when the when the Arabs conquered Egypt that then this these Greek writings kind of went to them that way but it wasn't the only way it turns out that even before the the Islamic in, invasion that there was already some trickles of of these things before Islam even you know were making its way to Persia and kind of you know well we could probably trick, there, we could probably so. think the trade routes too i mean yeah, that, that sure. brought a lot of information as well you know we talked about the greek influence on arab in, and on arab influence at, right. at this time um, but you know also it also flowed back to medieval Euro- europeans especially after the fall of constantinople and the reconquest right. of spain yeah. right so it's it's very interesting to take a look at how some of these this knowledge base got from the Persians um, even before the Arabs yeah, arrived, yeah. like you mentioned. Yeah. So we're going to stop right there with Agatho Damon, uh, mostly because that's all we know about him for sure. Uh, he's, he's mentioned here and there throughout history, but it's hard to get a real grasp on the real man and his work. So we're just going to move on from him at this point. Well, yeah, let me, let me add, if any of our listeners know more, please shoot me an email with a source or something, because he sounds kind of interesting. I would, I mean, if you send me something, I will read it. Absolutely. It's just, it's just hard to, some of these guys, there's only a couple of fragments. There's only, you know, a snippet here and there. And, uh, I, I feel like, you know, of course, a lot of al- alchemies, alchemists are just lost to history. You know, we'll never know, but, uh, it's just, you know, we got this name, we know a couple of things he did and I'm sure that some historian at some point has written something about him. But, uh, so if, if any listener happens to, you know, this happens to be a known figure to him, her, then uh, yeah, let us know. I'll I'll read it. So I'll, I'll be greatly greatly thankful. So we're going to jump right now from from a person that might be lost to history to someone we know a little bit about Travis, and that would be Zosimos of Panopolis. Yeah, he was again Egyptian or Greek alchemist, and also a Gnostic mystic. Again, from around 300 A.D. Now you could make the argument that he's the first real alchemist writer that we can go to today. So that 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 let me clarify that a little bit. So. So he mentions older alchemists, okay? So he mentions older alchemists in his writings, but his writings are the oldest ones that we have, like the, you know. Now, were they on papyrus, or what were the writings on? Oh, I would Something assume, that would last a long time. I would assume papyrus, but that, that has just been then transcribed to, Ara- or, you know, translated to Arabic, and then, um, whereas Ag- Ag- So this Ag- most likely Agatha was Damon, Greek. Probably, it was, oh, probably yeah. Greek, yeah. Okay. Um, but I would say that Agatha Damon is just it's just gone. So, you know, people might have quoted him later, but we don't have anything. Yeah, I'm not sure if we have any extant copies of Zosimov of Panopolis, but, but we know what he said. We know what he wrote. All right. So as his name might suggest, he was born in Panopolis, present-day 
Achmim in the south of Egypt. I'm sorry. I'm sure I butchered that. I apologize. Uh, but I think it's it's Achmim present day. And he wrote the oldest known books on alchemy. Yeah, I think it was Greek as far as I know. But then it was translated into Syriac and Arabic. And sometimes he's written as Thosimos, Dosimos, or just Remos. Uh, it's pretty normal for people's name to change. I mean, we had like Al-Razi being turned to Razis and Al-Ghazali being turned to Different cultures to put Al different stamps on, on different names, You remember right? we had um, Se- Michael Sedzivoy? We yeah, kept saying that. But exactly. everyone knew him as Michael Sendivogius. His Latin you know? terminology. Right. right. So, yeah, this is this is pretty normal. Um, you know, I think on one of your episodes we mentioned Jan Yasinski was Jan Yasenius or, or even – not even Jan, but some, you know, Latin version of John or something. Why, what about Wenceslas versus Vaslav? Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, Dude, well, that, that's a hard thing that, you know, for St. Wenceslas, for most Western Western people, uh, that's not how you say it here in Czech. It's, it's, it's Vaslav. Yeah. And yeah. But you did an ep- episode on Adelbert. What's he in Czech? Wojtek. Which is totally different. Yeah. So, so I mean, every, every yeah. culture's got their different, um, you know, spin uh, with their language. And, and this is a good case of that right here. Yeah. Like, what's Peter in Czech? Uh, Petr. So it's not that bad. Uh, <laughs> so we missed the point on that one, but you get you guys yeah. get the idea. Okay, so again, so he has this this is the time period where you have a lot of Hermeticism, a lot of Gnostic influence. Now this is interesting because he he was a Gnostic mystic. According to the Book of Enoch or and Apocryphon of John, the fallen angels taught the art of metallurgy to the woman they married. Okay? Now, if you say ancient aliens, I will punch you. In the face. I am not going to bring – I know that's a sore subject with you uh, on ancient aliens that have given us knowledge. Fallen um, angels. <laughs> okay. But, okay. Wait, hold on. Hold on. I got to put the stops on this for a second. I did not know that fallen angels could marry mortal women. Is this possible? You should maybe as a good mass going Catholic, you should maybe read your Bible a little bit more um, there. Well, no. Peter? <laughs> I've heard of ancient Greek gods like Zeus – Doing this type of thing, but a fallen angel, really? Without without it in front of me, I wouldn't want to. Do you want to get into this right now? I, I really don't. But okay. we might have to edit this yeah, part the, out. Their children, the angels and the mortal women, and the angels' children were the giants. Not in not in Christian belief system. Yes, in the Bible, like okay, they we're talking. So you got Genesis. me lost on this one. So the external processes of metallic transmutation, like the transmutation of lead and copper into silver and gold, had always. It had to mirror an inner process of purification and redemption. That's a religious spin to this. Yeah, and if this right. sounds like uh, Hermeticism or Gnosticism or Neoplatonism, that's because it is. So we – we, oh man, yeah, this has come up over and over and over. So, it, you know, but he said it differently than, than some of the later guys. So he did write about metallurgy. He just said that if you wanted to do it, you needed to be – kind of clean on the inside the, the the better you the pure you are the pure your metal will become so there was there was a reflection you know macrocosm microcosm the macrocosm microcosm that whole you know one reflects the other so he really he wrote about mirrors a lot okay this, this was over and over so the process is a reflection okay now divine water or sulfurous water which was used by greek alchemist uh, there's a word that means both of those things in greek you could translate it either way now, Zalzimus saw it like this. So the al- alchemical vessel, he saw that as like the baptismal font. And the tincturing vapors of mercury and sulfur were purifying waters of baptism. Now, I think vapors of mercury are not that purifying, but hey. But if you're talking about metal, fine. Now, this, this, was, this perfected and redeemed the Gnostic initiate. So just think of it like a baptism. 
And then also the hermetic image of the crater or mixing bowl, a symbol of the divine mind in which the hermetic initiate, initiate was baptized and purified in the course of a visionary ascent through the heavens and the transcendent realms. And, and when we talk about the transcendent realms, uh, this is, when we talk about a mirror as well, this is a perfect reflection of maybe the very early, earliest parts of the Christian belief system and their rituals. Because we're, we're talking, um, what, 300 A.D.? So we're talking yeah, about here? Yeah. So, you know, at, at this point, um, uh, you're talking about maybe St. Clement, if I'm not mistaken, but you're talking about uh, the very early church and the Gnostics. And, of course, that was a schism there at, at one point uh, between the two different churches and thoughts. The idea of a baptismal bowl, the idea of burning incense, you know, to purification. Yeah. I mean, we're, those are things that are part of the ritual process from the very earliest parts of the church. So it doesn't, it's not a really far leap to see that Zosimos maybe, uh, you know, acquired some of this knowledge from his, from his uh, Gnostic background and said, well, let's incorporate it into what I'm doing here with this, this very beginning of alchemy. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the dreams? Yeah, Travis, visions, um, uh, maybe I should say this before we get into the visions. Um, when you say visions, I'm thinking of uh, early civilizations when, when people would use elements of, of peyote or other issues to have well, these visions. Is this what we're talking about here? This sounds like that, but he mentioned them as dreams. Okay. So let's give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> right. So he's not, in a, he's not in a sweat lodge dehydrated. He's not on some kind of elements, herbal elements, but or alcohol. But when you hear about this, um, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna really think so, twice. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Give us the give us the lowdown. All right. Here. So Zosimos had some visions that were a little bit kooky. Uh, he had these dreams about alchemy, and the visions that came to him were very heavy on symbolism um, and were very weird. Mm-hmm. Just put it that way. Um, so Zosimos uh, met Ion. I O N is mm-hmm. how we're gonna say this. Uh, he was the founder of the Sabian religion. Ion fights Zosimos with a sword in this dream, impales him, disembowels him, little Harry Carey action, pulls the skin off his head, burns mm-hmm. the pieces of this body on an altar so they're transmutated from the body to the spirit. And that's one way of doing this type of alchemy. Sure. All right? Now, it's not a fun way. We're not saying it's fun. All right? So I'm sure when he woke up from this dream, he wasn't going, wow, that was great. I'm really sad I woke up from that. It was probably more of like, Whoa, I need to really digest this for a few minutes yeah. about what just happened to me in this dream. But the idea of that Ion cries blood and horribly melts into the opposite of himself, into a mutated um, anthroparion, mm-hmm. right? Now, I think I had this dream, but oh, I was yeah. on, day, on NyQuil all right? okay. uh, with a high fever, all right? So – this is crazy stuff. I think, you might have seen this in Indiana Jones. Do you so remember he, that? He cries blood and then <laughs> melts. So I think if I watch Indiana Jones and then True Blood and then fall asleep, I might have a – no, I would never have a dream like no, this. No, this, this, is, this is out there. Now, now to say this, this is one heck of an imagination to write this down, but think about the dreams that you've had, folks. I mean some of the dreams that we had are crazy. And of course, as soon as you wake up, you, you think, oh, I remember every aspect of this dream. And if you don't write it down right there, you will forget it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because your your body, your, your mental state can't really handle what it, what you've just seen in a lot of ways. So you yeah. move on from it. Evidently, he probably was so moved by this dream that it, it was something that drew him to uh, you know pen and paper to start writing this down. Well, it, it keeps going. Well, okay. okay so the, the thing is that yeah, exactly. He at this point in the dream, 
when uh, he so he cries blood, horribly melts, and then turns into quote the opposite of himself. Okay, um, <laughs> so he wakes up, he ponders this. So, like you said, he you know he give, he he mulls this over and That's says, "Wow, nice. he, he ponders very nice, yeah, in, introspection. He's like, he had huh. introspection." Yeah, that not was screaming odd. around the house. I would have been screaming. Yeah, going, that was weird. I, I need some. <laughs> but now, okay, so yeah. he go he goes back to sleep. This it's not over. <laughs> so he's back at the altar. Someone is being boiled alive, but he's alive. And the boiled guy says, "Just calm as a cucumber." The site that you see is the entrance and the exit and the transformation. Those who seek to op- obtain the art or moral perfection. Enter here and become spirits by escaping from the body. Okay. Now he wakes up again. So again, I'm I'm summarizing this dream. It is it is much much longer, and uh, kind of fun to read. Um, so he wakes up and he ponders the meaning. He's thinking, okay, human distillation. This goes back to Neoplatonism. You know, the transmutation of the soul, spiritual alchemy, that kind of thing. So human distillation, like water. Um, you know, to distill it into vapor, you know, it's transmutating water to vapor. Um, so in this case, you know, transmutating the body to the soul or, you know, something like that. Okay, goes back to sleep and dreams of a place of punishments where all who enter immediately burst into flames and submit themselves to an unendurable torment. Sounds like sounds like hell, right? Like sounds like the classic Absolutely. Dante's kind of or anything from Revelations. I mean, at, at this point, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I'm thinking this this has some maybe some uh, some ideas of, of biblical uh, connections, but uh, whatever it is, uh, definitely a moving experience. Like we said, we, he pondered these things, right? So he 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 gave this some thought, and he he came up with what these things could mean. Now he didn't consult Freud because Freud wasn't there. That that might have been a good thing. I don't know. Sometimes now, a cigar is just a cigar. Yeah. Well, again, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. In this case, maybe not so much. Well, what the, what this does remind me of are, are these these, you know, I've mentioned before these weird alchemical illustrations. If I if I see someone being skewered or or, you know, being having the skin torn off his head, then alchemists will instantly think of some meaning. And Zosimos was a metallurgist. Like he he really did. You know, he was into metallurgy, so he, you know, he did kind of everything in his life he put into that context in some way. All right, so, so yeah, give us one of these examples. Well, one of the, one of the examples that really stands out here is is the symbolism of a snake eating itself, and that's the head eating, devouring its own tail in a circle. Mm-hmm. And and what that what that really symbolizes here to Zosimos is the idea of unity of everything. So think back to our Neoplat- our Neoplatonism podcast. There really is. It, it, there's really no. Um, that's no coincidence that we're talking about this right. because uh, it's this, that time period. It's that yeah. time period. It's something they're thinking about, and that's something that you probably would see maybe etched on you know, a stone someplace. Sure. Uh, to talk about the, these thoughts, it would be this snake in a circle, kind of devouring itself. Um, he does also mention some other issues in symbolism, and the number seven. He mentions that quite a bit. At one point, there's 15 stairs. There's seven stairs up. The eighth is the sphere of fixed stars, the divine part of the cosmos, and the seven stairs back down. Mm-hmm. All right? You with me numerically? Yeah. Okay. All right. So seven stairs being the planets, the sun, the moon, you got it. All right? So by now you know that uh, if uh, that if, you, if you're paying attention to this podcast, seven is a really big deal. All right? Now, in, in the idea of early church, we talk about the triumphant. We talk about threes being a big deal. Right. Seven is kind of a departure, isn't it? I well, mean, for, seven, for, for, seven for is a, a big Gnostic, deal in a lot is, of yeah. in a lot of different religions. 
but also there's the four elements. There's the seven, what is, you know, basically sulfur, salt, and mercury. Mm-hmm. You add those up, what do you get? I mean, seven comes up all over the place. Right. So five, four, three, seven, all numbers mean something. In fact, we'll do a podcast on numerology because it is really important in, in alchemy and in uh, certain aspects. And there's also another Neoplatonic sort of idea, too, dealing mm-hmm. with mirrors, right? Right. So, you know, rather than to see a, re- uh, a reflection of the material self, you contemplate the divine self with this okay. reflection, right? Yeah. So he, he's, he's more of a, a Gnostic sense of the Holy Spirit. Again, incorporation right. from his yeah. background, his religious background, into his his, uh, his thoughts here. And yeah, this might be a good place to mention, because we just mentioned numerology. So it's also letters of the Greek alphabet had symbolic meaning. Now, not quite in the sense of numerology, where there's like a number associated with it, but he really got deep into letters that had a meaning. So like an example, quote something from... This is Zazamos of Panopolis on the letter Omega. This is Jackson's translation. I forget his first name. Round Omega is the bipartite letter, the one that in terms of material language belongs to the seventh planetary zone, that of Kronos. For in terms of the immaterial, it is something else altogether, something inexplicable, which only Nicotheos the hidden knows. So it's like esoteric. In material terms... Omega is what he calls ocean, the birth, and seed of the gods. Okay? So to me, Omega is like, oh, and that's it. That's, that's but to it. him, okay. well, you know, to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well we, we hear about the Omega particle in some science fiction literature. We hear about, you know, the end of all things. Right. Omega, Alpha and Omega. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so there is some another connection mm-hmm. on a religious basis with this as well. So, But it's not just the Christian Gnostic thought. There, there's oh, there's yeah. a Jewish yeah. issue involved with this too, with the metallurgy here. So those almost had a, a real fascination and an affinity for this concept of Jewish metallurgy. And furthermore, knowing this, uh, many alchemists would write that he might have a, a very strong Jewish connection. Um, that's really not been proven. Uh, but at the same time, Zosimos uh, really had an affinity for this concept mm-hmm. uh, that kind of went went beyond maybe other alchemists' connections to Jewish uh, to, to Jewish metallurgy. Julius Ruska proposed that Zosimos may have been Jewish altogether, but scholars, like we said, said probably there's not enough evidence for that to support right. that. But you know. We get this information from uh, Raphael Patai uh, from his book, The Jewish Alchemists. Uh, mm-hmm. That's something that you may want to look into to, to see uh, the findings for that as well. But it is clear that he did have respect for the Jewish metallurgy, uh, the dis- distillation, the mysticism, and uh, how to try to show that it uh, was in agreement with Egyptian thought. Um, yep. So it, it 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 all does come together. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he really liked he liked kind of Jewish theology, philosophy, and all that thing, and he so he tried to show that it was in sync with Egyptian thoughts at the time. So it's interesting. Okay, also, once again, we see that astrology plays a very important role in alchemy. Okay, we see this over and over again. We're One of these days, we're going to do a podcast on astrology and clarify that role more in depth. But in Zosimos' case, so he believed in natural versus unnatural alchemy. Natural alchemy doesn't necessarily mean the natural process of the way the mountain creates the gold but that there is a good and a bad way to do alchemy. That's what he meant. So he had something called timely tinctures. So we, we talked about tinctures all the time, actually, like the elixir of life or you know something to that effect, some elixir. But he calls it timely tinctures because you do certain things at certain times in sync with the, you know, the moon phase or, or zodiac 
you know, something to that effect. So if you do it at the wrong time, that would be unnatural alchemy. Again, if this sounds familiar, it is. But this also goes way back. So this, this isn't just him. The, the, the idea, in fact, when we mention astrology, we're talking about Greek astrology. But you could say Greek Babylonian astrology because that's where they kind of got it from. And for example... Mesopotamian glassmaking recipes dating from like 1300 to 1100 BCE contain instructions for the astrological timing of various procedures. So just, you know, plain old simple glass blowing or, or, or glassmaking. So, you know, this was, this, was, this was considered relevant for a long time. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you want to speculate, the, the idea is even as simple as it is important when you plant your crops. My, my, seasonally my grandfather, so therefore why wouldn't it be important to a, do everything absolutely. else absolutely my, right? my, my grandfather so. who learned this from his father and his father's father came from uh, northern Germany uh, to, to America he always told me he, by the way my he, he had a saying or something he I did think? he said you only plant potatoes by the, lar- the light of a dark moon okay and, yeah. and, the, and the other thing he did he could witch a well I mean, seriously. He, I, I, would, I remember oh, as a with kid the divining with rods? the divining rod oh, okay. and he would walk out yeah. and witch a well on, on his farm and that's where he would dig for, for, for well water Seen it cool. work. Seen yeah. it right in front of me. Wouldn't believe uh-huh. it. So the stuff that we kind of consider old world, you know, voodoo or superstitions, you know, dealing with uh, agricultural issues, there's something to it, man. So, sure. I mean, you know, we talk about the moon and its effect on tides and the earth. Absolutely, there's some of these things to it. Um, I, I won't go beyond that personally, but some people really put a lot of, a lot of weight on this. Yeah, absolutely. To dive into a little bit further into Zosimos' ideas of why this timely tincture is relevant. So he believed that demons only had knowledge of a very specific part of the cosmos, the parts in which they lived, okay? But the creator had knowledge of all of it, of the whole cosmos, everything in it, everything. So by timing your works so that it doesn't coincide with the demon parts of the cosmos the work can be greater, okay? So basically, you can do alchemy either way, natural, unnatural. But if you're not timing your astrological uh, things right, then the demons have an influence. You might make gold, but you're, you're ba- call it black magic, you're, you're, you're using negative forces to create that gold, okay? And I, I, you know, I, say, I say create gold because this is an alchemical podcast. However, it probably he just meant like pure gold when you're smelting it. I'm not going to jump to conclusions here, um, but but because of his metallurgy and and you know especially the mysticism, he also got a got a. Well, the the thing I will say is that he did write about earlier alchemists a lot. So you know like um, he's I believe I don't have all my sources in front of me right now, but he is the one that that mentioned Mary the Jewess and uh, possibly even Hermes Trismegistus. So um, we wouldn't even know about them at all if it wasn't for him. Oh, so okay. it's yeah he's he's kind of our source for these pre. A third century alchemist. So third, third, fourth century is really when we start getting, you know, maybe not extant copies, but definitely first person accounts. Well, yeah. you, you know, when, when I look at Zosimos here, he's he's a guy, a historical figure that I don't know if I can keep close to me in, in the sense that I can understand him. Uh, you know, it's, it sounds like he really had a thought process. Normally, I would <laughs> say that he probably was on acid. I mean, a lot of this stuff sounds like he had an acid trip. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, what he did with these dreams and these ideas, 
uh, to make sense of them and his his idea of reality uh, must have influenced a lot of people, uh, especially mystics, you know, maybe in, even a splinter section of, of mm-hmm. Gnostics, because he did have a religious overtone to some of these things. Um, I, I would say that without him, we wouldn't have a lot of information. So he was key. Yeah. Well, he was, yeah. I mean, we, we would have lost Kooky, a lot more knowledge. But, but key. He was an odd one, but yeah. but yeah, we would have lost a lot more knowledge about earlier alchemists if it wasn't for him. When you mentioned the influence of ideas, like definitely, you know, so he's he has this Neoplatonic concept of while you're smelting your metal, whatever it may be, that you contemplate nature. And we talked about like Neoplatonist meditation that that it's not meditation in the Eastern sense. It's like you're you're contemplating God. Okay, that's like Neoplatonic meditation. So as you're smelting your metal, you're contemplating nature. This gives it a spiritual component, and this is really just your basic, you know, Neoplatonic, Hermetic, Gnostic concept of meditation. And by contemplating the divine, he believed you can get a better result of your work, of your smelting or whatever it is you're doing. Yeah, that's basically it. I had a great source for this today. It was uh, worldnewsresearch.com, and it was just uh, forward slash Zosimus. We'll get you there. As, as we're wrapping up the show here tonight, I, I think that um, going forward with the Alchemy podcast, these little snippets and historical biographical sketches really paint a picture for me as, as I'm learning along with our audience, Travis, yeah. that that there, there's so many of, the, of these leaders and thinkers um, and doers in, in the alchemy world that I never knew existed. And if you were to tell me this stuff, I'd probably say you're lying. <laughs> but so, so this bibliography is very important because it's this stuff's not made up. These these people, at least to our best of our knowledge, these people were really alive, and, right. and they all had, if not something hugely done with alchemy as far as being a staple to 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 the science, uh, then it then they had some kind of influence on somebody else. So yeah, I find that very interesting that there's this almost passing of the torch, mm-hmm. as as we see in these podcasts from. You know Al Ghazali to uh, to uh, Roger Bacon to I mean to John D. It's all it just yeah. all connects. We've mostly talked about early ones, but the thing is that these guys these are the the original Greek Egyptian ones. Now that, then they we talked about uh, you know Al Ghazali. We talked about Albertus Magnus, who already in the medieval times was getting some Arabic knowledge back into Europe. But then later, when we talk about you know early modern period, uh, you know let's say. 16th century, then now we're getting into more of a kind of scientific thinking, you know, Renaissance, if you will, and I won't, but it, Renaissance, if you will. And um, the, the thing is that a lot of that influence was these Arabic thinkers, and a lot of that influence was these Greek thinkers. And so as kooky as Zosimos's visions sound like, there was an influence. There was, there was a, even if it was just spiritual, a lot of these people influenced later people that influenced later people that brought us science i mean you know that's a that's a roundabout way to look at it but and there's 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 other ways to look at that absolutely um sure i i think there's a lot any of critics human knowledge if, base, there will be critics to the way i just said that no but, i i, but, I understand sure. what you're saying yeah. because with any no, human knowledge base there are fits and seizures of of what is uh what is discovered and what is understood and I, I think it all play it all builds on itself to our sure. knowledge base today. Uh, we are far from where we need to be in science, uh, but boy, we've made some serious strides. And I think we get to thank some of these forefathers of this knowledge in some some former respects. 
Yeah. Well, another another thing I'll bring up because because I think we're slowly we're slowly painting a picture of alchemy, right? And uh, <laughs> like as time goes on, I mean, many people even now we've done like six episodes, seven. I, I don't remember. It's hard to say. Um, in fact, by the time this one gets published, it'll be more like 10 or 12. But people that have listened now kind of at least can define what alchemy maybe is through the through the centuries. And it, it's interesting because I did a um, actually for for Reddit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something there for, talk about alchemy. But I did a Venn diagram just to define what I read about. So if you go to historyofalchemy.com, on the homepage, I put that Venn diagram up because if someone has no idea what to expect from this podcast, you know, so there's a Venn diagram. In the middle, there's alchemy. And then you, you see that, that there's Neoplatonism, there, there's astrology, there's theurgy, um, numerology, uh, hermeticism. There's and then there's you know the spiritual alchemy, medical alchemy, practical alchemy, and then you know where does philosopher's stone fall in that Venn diagram? Where does the elixir of life fall into it? Where does Egyptian mummification? Where does uh, early chemistry? Where do you know? There's all these, like even just discovery of acids, it falls in there somewhere. I mean, it, you know, it's it's all part of alchemy. So I think you know a picture can say a thousand words. So. <laughs> Go take a look at that if you're still confused about the big picture of this podcast. By all means, check us out at historyofalchemy.com. Yeah, for, for details on that, for details on Zosimos, and also on, on other past episodes and, and some glimpses of future episodes we'll be doing. Our email address is podcast at historyofalchemy.com. You can find us on Facebook under History of Alchemy Podcast and on Twitter as Alchemy Podcast, whatever your preferred method is. Send us ideas, questions, corrections. Don't be too harsh, but corrections, <laughs> pronunciations, whatever. We'd love to hear from you. And you do us a great favor by rating us on iTunes. So we're on iTunes. You can find us there. Subscribe there. But if you rate us, you bump us up the charts a little bit. That really helps us out a lot. And while you're hopping on, on iTunes, feel free <laughs> to, to go to my website uh, or, or go to my podcast, Bohemian uh, Podcast, and see if you can rate us there, listen, subscribe, do all those wonderful things. But you can also go to the website, which is bohemican.com, and check out uh, uh, what I'm doing here in the Czech Republic and the experiences that I'm having as an American expat. Um, I'm also on the Twitter. Um, do I sound – when I say the Twitter, does it make me sound like I'm 40? Because that's scary. Uh, but uh, it yes. sounds like Pete. <laughs> I am on the Twitter, so you can go to that uh, hashtag uh, Crazy Town. Just kidding, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but go to that. You can, you can actually see a lot of things uh, on the website, uh, including my blog uh, about things I figure out as I'm living here. It is an, is an amazing place, and mm -hmm. I, I really enjoy my time here in Prague. Uh, you know, we'll be back every two weeks, and we want to thank you very much for listening to me. Yep, thank you very much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.